like it's the whole like burn the ships mentality where it's like you have no choice but to swim to shore like mm -hmm. if you do not make it you will drown and you will die <laughs> so i think jeff and i that got dark <laughs> <laughs> Jeff and I were in that point where <clears throat> like, yeah, like Jeff said, some people are motivated by pain. Some people are motivated by pleasure. Unfortunately, we found out we're motivated by pain, which kind of sucks, but um, that is our truth. Mm -hmm. And we burnt those ships and we had no choice but to swim to the shore. And we arrived and we arrived exhausted and, you know, with like scratches all over our body thirsty, feeling awful, but we made it, we survived. <laughs>Welcome to episode 12 of Real Stories, Journeys of Financial Wellness. I'm your host, Crystal Lugazima. The last couple of months, I've mentioned an audience survey we're running. Our survey is helping us to learn more about our listeners to help us in our commitment to be inclusive and meet the needs of all communities. We'll be keeping the survey open until January 31st. To complete the survey, visit the show notes of this episode or visit www.greenpath.com realstories, click on this episode, and scroll to the bottom of the blog article. I wanted to share some of the things we've learned so far. 93% of survey respondents are female. 72% are 45 years old or older. 39% are African American or Latinx. One of the things that we've been hearing from the surveys is that our listeners would like more practical tips. My co-host Omari and I have a new segment at the end of our interview where we lift up some of the money lessons in today's story. Here's a quick tip off the bat. While nothing in life is free, sometimes there are opportunities to put in a few minutes of time to win free money. Two people who fill out our survey will win a $50 Amazon gift card. If you're thinking, eh, what's the point of entering the raffle? I'd have a very small chance of winning. Well, if the raffle ended today, based on the number of entries we've received so far, the people who entered would have a one in five chance of winning. If you've visited GreenPath's website recently, you may recognize our next guests, Jeff and Victoria. Their story of overcoming financial challenges has been featured on GreenPath.com. Today's interview is a deeper dive into their story. You'll hear practical tips they learned along the way and how their debt-free journey literally saved their marriage. We'll start with what influenced their approach to money before they met. Jeff, thank you, Victoria, for joining us here today. Um, my first question for you really goes a little bit back a ways. Um, what did you each learn about money growing up? Mm, that's a great question. Growing up, I was not taught anything about money um, by my parents or even by my school. So I grew up thinking that money was something that men mostly made and not so much so women. That was the example that I had in my household. I was raised by a stay-at-home mom and um, I can't say that she wasn't a career woman, but 
she gave up her career, I think, to raise me and to be a wife. So the example I had was that, that the male was always the one who left the house and went out and made the money. And the female was the one who stayed home and took care of the house and took care of the kids. And her role was to be, um, you know, mother and wife. So when I had my son, I immediately thought that I was somehow like not allowed, I guess, to make a lot of money because of the example that I had growing up. Interesting. How about you, Jeff? Growing up for me, money was work hard and uh, that will, you know, come back to you in the form of money. And if you want more money, then work some more. So it was a very, uh, you know, go out and get it. And, uh, you know, it's more of the nine to five hourly rate approach as opposed to an investment or anything else. It was just, you know, do your hard work and you'll get rewarded. And so having, you know, um, um, there seems to be that like the work ethic was sort of in, in both of your upbringing, right? But there's certainly st still some differences. How, how was it when you guys first met, especially when you started to get more serious and any sort of merging of the finances, uh, or at least certainly money conversations came into play? Like, what was that like? I think for, for the first, I, I, I don't even know, the majority, like 90% of our relationship was really stressful when it came to money. I think I had a lot of, again, assumptions as to what I was and wasn't allowed to do with money. And I just felt um, like we were just constantly restricted. I felt like we were constantly living paycheck to paycheck. Um, I couldn't understand why I couldn't just spend money and buy things. And I, my brain just could not comprehend living on a budget because when I was little, I never had to live restricted. I didn't have to live on a budget. And so when I got together with Jeff and then we got our house and we had our child and we had all these expenses. I think my mindset was still stuck in like that child mode where I, I didn't have to worry about finances and money was always there because my dad was always the provider. And I just constantly saw my mom, you know, her role was to make sure that our house had everything that our house needed. And um, there was never any sort of restrictions. So then when I became a mother and a wife, I just felt that things were going to be the same way. And when they weren't, I think we just started fighting a lot. And it took me a long time to understand that I can't spend all the money without, you know, budgeting and being organized and strategic about where our money goes. Yeah, when we first started dating, it was really relaxed and fun. And I was a restaurant professional at that time and just living a single life. So when we first started dating it was just kind of let's go out and do this you know there was never any real worry about money and then really fast we got pregnant with our son and she was still in college at that time so it went from me being single and just kind of doing my thing and you know being able to, to spoil her to well now now we have college to think about we have a, a house, a mortgage, our one-bedroom apartment doesn't fly anymore. Insurance, car, insurance. car payment. Yeah. <laughs> so it just uh, real life set in, yeah. so to say, or so to say, you can do air quotations there. Um, 
And then it became real and we kind of just kind of blow through things because we needed to be responsible parents, save and plan and be ready for all the uncertainties of having, you know, a child come with. So you guys, uh, as you were <laughs> saying, uh, real life kind of set in and I mean, once that reality or that new reality was in play, um, was it, I don't want to say easy is not the right word I'm looking for, but like, did changing any habits become easier because of sort of this newfound, these new goals or, or just, you know, even knowing that you had a, had a kid to provide for, or was that in itself just a, a really difficult transition? Mm, no, I don't think it became easier. Uh, at least not for me. I mean, can't speak for Jeff, but I know that for me personally, it took a really long time to reconcile the fact that my life was not going to be what it used to be and that I needed to uh, step up and be responsible and grow up. I was barely 22 years old when I had my son. So mentally, I was still in like, college mode, but, you know, our surroundings were forcing us to um, grow up and become adults. And so for me, it took, it was a period of, I would say the majority of my twenties, I spent reshaping my thoughts and reshaping my mind and reshaping my habits so that I could be, you know, a high functioning adult and be the <laughs> supportive you know, wife that I wanted to be and be the mature mom that I needed to be for my son. So for me, it was a very slow process. <laughs> and I, I just went into provider. So it was just make as much money as possible in any means that I can so that we can live as stress-free as possible, you know, because money at that time was all about, if we have more, it's stressful because something happens, we'll have a little cash. If uh, you know the rent's gonna be paid, children grow out of their clothes every two weeks, sometimes it feels like. So there's an endless supply of need for finances. So I just really uh, buried myself in work really. Mm -hmm. hmm. And I, I know from earlier conversations that um, you, you guys, each of you uh, separately, I guess, invested in your careers in, in different ways. And I understand that that's a part of how your, some of your debt came into, into being. Um, so I was wondering if you could just kind of speak to that as far as thinking back to like when those decisions were made, like what was your mindset? What what decisions were you thinking about? How did it feel before? How did it feel after as you invested in, in your careers? I think our mindset at that time was making an investment in our education so that we could have a financial payoff and um, start a new career and catapult ourselves into a different financial bracket. For me personally, I wanted to business so that I could have the flexibility of raising our son, but still making an income and providing financially for the family. Um, 
was that was where our financial investment came on on my behalf was so that I could learn how to run a business so I could learn how to start and launch an online business to provide our family with that flexibility and then Jeff had a different intention a little bit of a different intention yeah um I knew in restaurant management that I was in a rat race and every manager kind of has a half-life when you're in restaurants you can only be expected to last so long because of the amount of physical and mental energy it takes to run a restaurant especially um, fine dining or I would say quick serve is probably the hardest of them all so I knew that I couldn't really be present 100% at either of them. And that meant that one was going to fail eventually. Either I had to put in more effort at work and sacrifice home life to make that successful or vice versa. And that's just not sustainable. So I looked for a vehicle that could replace my income, but take away that element of intensity. I needed to step away and obviously I wasn't going to quit my family. So I tried to look for another, another way that fit kind of what I enjoy doing and, and, and uh, what I could continue joining in or enjoying that wouldn't require 70 hours a week while that's still possible. Uh, I get to decide where I'm at every day. And that's, that's a huge trade-off and being home for school or events or even just holiday simple dinner. as being home for dinner or holidays <laughs> is uh it, it's worth its weight in gold so mm-hmm. that that was my purpose and and deciding to take a few risks to expanding outside of restaurant management mm-hmm. and, and and so what that looked like in your case you, you had taken a series of courses in real estate investing if i understand correctly yeah so I did real estate investing. I did some stuff on the construction side. Um, I'd always been kind of handy, so I worked in that. And I tried, tried just diving in and getting some mentorships, even though I paid for some in the beginning too. Just really was like, whatever, whatever helps, I want to learn as much as I possibly can. And and so what kind of decisions did you guys face with regards to how to, to pay for it? Right. Like, was it all on credit cards or was it a mixture of savings and credit cards? Like, what was that like? (laughs) That was our problem. So yes, to answer your question, we just paid all of his course, his real estate investment courses paid for with credit cards. Yeah. Everything I, I learned in real estate and I took a few different courses and schooling and mentorships all went on cards because I expected, I was like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to put an effort in this. I'm not just going to do it and then forget about it. I worked for a real estate company, um, helping them source houses for free in the beginning, just to like get some experience. So I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do some upfront value and just make it happen. And um, I was sure it was going to work in a timely fashion. And we took advantage of those no or interest-free cards for a whole year back when that used to exist. 
and we're like, hey, you know, we'll pay $25 a month on these cards and I got a whole year to make this work. Why wouldn't that work out? So a lot of optimism as far as, and as I understand from your original interview, it, it did work out in terms of the trajectory of your careers, but the, the time frame, I guess, like it, it took longer than you anticipated. So can you tell me a little bit about yeah. how, uh, you know, how that felt in, in the moment? Like, right, you're sitting back here coming out the other side, but how did that feel as you realized it was taking longer than you'd wanted? Um, awful. <laughs> it, it was really tough. I had to be honest with myself, you know, I'm like, I dug this huge hole. And meanwhile, I'm working full time in the restaurant still. So it was like, okay, I, I'm making enough to cover us now. But that 12 month ticking time bomb where our payments go from the bare minimum to all the interest gets piled on um, was quickly approaching. And I had a few decent things happen along the way that were kind of reinforcing this is going to work. So I had a couple, you know, wholesale projects that I did that went through. Um, but we, we had some setbacks along the way too. I mean, uh, I closed one wholesale deal that I did. And that very same day I closed and I called her, I was like, we made a, the most money in, in, in one shot that I've done. Fortunately got in a car accident. <laughs> And that wiped it out. <laughs> so it was one of those like, I mean, high, high and low, low in one day. And, um, you know, that's, that's life and that happens. But I just held on to the idea like, it works. I proved it works. I've used the knowledge that I've done. And what really I think was the hardest thing to overcome is when I had made back all the money I had invested in to my education and my mentorships and all that stuff but our debt stayed the same and that's because we were just living so razor, razor thin because Vicky was also starting her own company and putting all her energy into that so we were just doing two startups at the same time which I don't recommend anybody do because <laughs> um, it's it's tough to do and a when you're stressed, you don't really get the performance you know you can do out of it. So um, the simple answer to your question is it was really tough the whole way. And there's a million reasons why I should have given up and just stuck it out with just restaurants and you know sailed into the sunset as much as I could with that. But I knew again, that determination that it's not going to be right for long term kept me going and I'm like I can make this work and I just had to hold on to the belief blindly sometimes that it's it's going to work out is there anything that you would have and this is really for each of you I guess as, as different questions is there anything that you would do differently with regards to the timing or or the route that you went with your careers Ooh, that's a good question. Now I'll let you lead this one. <laughs> that's a good question. Part of me wants to say, no, there's nothing I would have done differently just because of all the growth that we've experienced. I think because we went down such a difficult path, it was impossible not to grow through it all. And now I'm 
31 years old and I feel really, really, really ahead of the curve because of all the difficult things we've been through and because all the things that I've learned and because we've come out on the other side um, victorious, it, gosh, what we went through was so hard and, and part of me wants to be like, oh yeah, here's this massive list of things I totally would have done different. But then I feel like I would have just missed out on all the growth and the growth is invaluable. That's something that nobody can take away from us or me individually. And I just feel like such a better person for that growth. So, oh, I want to say, I want to, I, I, I personally want to say, oh yes, these are the 20 things I would have done differently, but I feel like I wouldn't be honest with myself. So no, there's nothing I would have done differently. I would agree. Um, it, it needed the hurt yeah. to really push me to see what I could do and make it. Otherwise, had we not had the financial strain, I probably would have let the need to just focus 100% on the restaurants instead of like 2% on real estate at the time. Um, cause I would work full time. And then when I was off, I would be making calls or going to see houses and stuff like that. So it, it really compromised the time, but, um, without that, uh, without the, it wasn't so much the carrot dangling in front of me. It was the fire behind me, burning me that made me run really fast. I feel like it's the whole, like burn the ships mentality where it's like, you have no choice but to swim to shore. Like mm -hmm. if you do not make it, you will drown and you will die. <laughs> so I think Jeff and I- That got dark. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff and I were in that point where <clears throat> like, yeah, like Jeff said, some people are motivated by pain. Some people are motivated by pleasure. Unfortunately, we found out we're motivated by pain, which kind of sucks, but um, that is our truth. Mm -hmm. and we burnt those ships and we had no choice but to swim to the shore and we arrived and we arrived exhausted and you know with like scratches all over our body thirsty feeling awful but we made it we survived <laughs> we but, made it to shore it's quite the picture <laughs> this actually caused me to want to skip ahead so we're going to go back to your your journey getting out of debt but of course um well, not of course to our listeners who haven't heard this part of the story yet, but you guys eventually became debt-free not too long ago. Um, so it sounds like, at least from, from an outsider's perspective, like the ship is not on fire anymore. Has, if, if that's the case, has it, or, or perhaps the ship is on fire. So let's start there. Is the ship on fire right now in, in this debt-free world? No. No. Um, mm -mm. But it, the old patterns, we can catch ourselves falling into. And it's like, nope, yeah. we're not doing that again. Um, so staying within a budget is still important. It's about learning from, from your past and why you're in that position and not ever getting too relaxed. So we, we continually raise the bar on ourselves. And uh, even though we were able to get everything paid off, um, we're still pretending like we're making those payments, except instead of paying the bank's credit card companies, we pay ourselves. 
So that being, you know, our savings or emergency fund or for trips or whatever that might be, we make sure that, uh, you know, what, it, any leftover that's there isn't just like, oh, we can do whatever with this. It's like, no, it has a purpose now to take us as far away from where we used to be as possible so we can not have to have those pressures again. Hmm. So it sounds like the memory of the ship being on fire is still living with you, even though you're in calmer waters right now, so. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yes. We will never forget what a ship blazing on fire looks like or feels like ever. <laughs> that memory is imprinted in our mind, but I, I think that's good. I think it's good for us not to forget because if we did forget, I feel like we would go back to our old patterns that got us there in the first place. And that's what we're preventing from happening again. If you're looking to change old patterns or create new ones, we offer a free short e-course on redesigning your financial habits. What a great way to stick to a new year's resolution. Join the nearly 1000 people who last year invested in their financial health. To visit the course, please see the show notes or blog article where you found this podcast. So one of the aspects of, of your story, um, uh, in addition to the credit card debts was handling what ended up becoming a, a mortgage delinquency. Can, can you share kind of the evolution of, I guess, starting with like how that happened um, and then kind of how you felt in the lead up before you um, developed a strategy to address it? Yeah. Um, how it happened was mostly me because I was, you know, everything was coming out of um, our main checking account. Um, and I was, again, really hopeful that all of our investments were going to pay off faster than they did. And when they weren't, I was kind of playing, playing tag with some creditors and I was hedging my bets and then, you know, picking who to, to pay in full and who not. And eventually it hit the point where we had to eat or, you know, pay the electricity bill because we need electricity and stuff like that. So, um, you know, you let one month go, then you'll pay half of your mortgage and then another month go. And then soon it's, they've all caught up. And that had happened once all of our credit cards rolled over and, you know, go from paying your $25 minimum to 240 here, 340 there, 400 here. Um, it, it got to be insane. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, you know, I communicated with Vicky, but um, it was all just kind of like, there's no way, this, you know, eventually, you know, there was a couple long shots I was working on that seemed like they were really going to work and it was going to wipe everything out. And it didn't work when I learned, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket and uh, getting the foreclosure notice, I'll let her talk about because she's the one who received it. But uh, that's when it was like, all right, I've been pouring gas on the fire as opposed to putting it out. And I just need to face the fact that um, the ship is very much on fire <laughs> and out of control at this point. And uh, uh, it's, out of my control and it was just kind of a humbling situation going I can't get us out of this by myself and be the hero so 
I'll let you explain the, the second part to that. Yeah, I think during that time, I was still very much in my old mental mode that I referenced at the beginning. I was just like, oh, the male takes care of all things money related and the male takes care of, you know, money management and all that stuff. So I was kind of like very much uninvolved in my own way. I was like, oh, Jeffrey will handle it because that's what men do. Men handle the money. And <laughs> so that, <Yes>. <laughs> that day when <laughs> when we got that letter <clears throat> i was home by myself and was at school jeff was at work and the um doorbell rang and it was a letter that was um i don't know what like one of those like high priority letters that you know companies pay for so you can get it like overnighted to you and i had to like sign for it and everything i was like oh interesting i've never had to sign for a letter before it had that big red first notice stamp on it yeah so then I opened it up and I just well I'll admit I didn't entirely know what what it was saying or what it meant but I do remember words for closure on the letter and I do remember feeling just like this horrible sinking feeling like my chest felt all tight and I kind of, okay, this isn't good. I know foreclosure isn't good. I know this has something to do with our house. I know this has something to do with us maybe losing our house. I'm like, this is not good. So then I Googled it really quickly. I was kind of like, what does foreclosure mean? And <laughs> I, I saw that in fact, yes, it meant that we were in the process. It's a pre-foreclosure. We were in the process of losing our house because we hadn't made payments in like three or four months. I don't remember exactly how many months it had been but before, and we were not okay with our finances. I also like Jeff knew that the ship was very much on fire and that Jeff was getting daily calls multiple times from the credit card companies. His phone was like constantly ringing and we were stressed out and fighting all the time. So it was just, it was just not a good place to be emotionally or mentally. And I think the catalyst that like shook me out of my days was receiving that letter. So that's kind of when I, um, I just, I remember in that moment, I knew I had two choices. I could either cry and just feel really overwhelmed and angry and sad and just, I could allow myself to feel awful or I could take a breath, which is what I did. I take a deep breath and just open up my laptop and figure out what our next moves were gonna be. So at that point, I just Googled something along the lines of um, help with debt or debt management, or I don't remember the keywords I used exactly, but I, I basically looked for something that would help us manage our debt, um, help us pay it off. So when I did that Google search, one of the things that came up was GreenPath. So after doing some reading and reading some testimonials and like browsing through the entire website, I um, decided to just schedule an appointment because I was like, we, I was like, at this point, our ship is so much on fire. We have nothing to lose. Like <laughs> it's burning. It's going to, it's going to sink. Like we have nothing to lose. So I called or no, I didn't call. No, I did call. I did call. I made an appointment. And then when Jeff got home from work that day, I just told him, I was like, look, we got this letter. I saw this, I Googled like how we can get help. 
I found this, I found green path, and now we have this appointment and we're going to go. And this is what's going to happen. <laughs> That's pretty much how it happened. And at that point, I was so exhausted from, you know, working essentially two jobs. I was kind of at the end of my rope with what I could handle. So it was like, any help is definitely accepted right Welcome. now. Yeah. And I had already had the inner talk that you know I had lost the battle but not the war yet so um I was open to whatever needed to happen and uh I don't know I wouldn't really get out of it at that point even if it was like a, a magical solution because I had so many up you know goose eggs that I thought were going to save the day and fall through it's like I, I can't keep counting on this to work so we need help to make sure that we can last longer mm -hmm. until it does work. Never fully lost hope, but um, which is a good thing because now it is working. But um, at the time, it was definitely needed to keep the faith, but also recognize that we needed help. Yep. What, what do you remember about that initial meeting with the the Green Path expert? Um, what I remember is that. I felt relieved that we were finally getting the help that we needed. I also felt safe. She did a really good job at making us feel, I was really ashamed. I was in a position where I felt a lot of shame and I almost felt like we were gonna get judged or scolded or you know, someone was gonna reprimand us for our choices. And she, was very kind and very compassionate and very understanding and explained things in a way that made sense. And she was very reassuring and worked with us and asked us lots of questions and was a great listener. And at no point did I feel judged by her, which I think was my biggest fear. Um, Cause again, because of the shame that I personally felt. So it was a really positive experience and it was, um, I felt really hopeful when we left that meeting. Yeah, I, I went in there. I'm, I'm very analytical. So uh, they appealed to my sense too on the numbers, broke it all down, said, here's where we think we can get you based on what we've done before. And do you think that can work? And we, went through a rough budget and everything worked out. I'm like, so the calls stop and, and the payments are within a range that we can afford right now. Uh, I mean, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid at that point. I was, I was happy. I'm like, right, but then if it works out as, as it says on paper, then, you know, we should get some breathing room. Mm -hmm. And it did, it actually, you know, it, the plan that she put together ended up being what actually happened and it was workable and we knew again how much it the burn felt <laughs> so that uh we never missed a payment yeah i think after that i also i got into a mental mode and also liam around that time i think he was five if i remember correctly so he started school full-time so i mentally got into a mode where i'm like okay my job, my contribution to this family and to the situation that we got ourselves into is to make sure that no matter what, this Green Path payment gets submitted every single month. 
And so um, when my son was at school, I went to go work. I was working part-time doing sales and marketing or just like a local brokerage here in Colorado. And I was also taking care of a little boy. So I was kind of, I was working two things and basically all of my income from, yeah, <laughs> I watched him for a year. The babysitted, yeah. Yeah, I watched this little boy for a year. So all that income plus mm. the income from my part-time job was basically my payment to Green Path. And then I got a different job that paid more money. So our payment to Green Path was a thousand. And so when I got this other job and I started earning a bit more money, I remember talking to Jeff about um, being able to increase our payment. I was like, well, I'm making more money now. Like we can potentially increase the payment so that we can get out of debt faster. Um, but yeah, for me, it was just, it was a moment for me to really make a commitment to myself and to my family to make a financial contribution no matter what. How did the mortgage play into this, right? Because you guys, you, you described this, the, the debt management program, which put the, the debt payments for the credit cards together and mm -hmm. so forth. Yeah. So how did you guys address the, the mortgage? So GreenPath did everything. They basically put it in a neat little package with a bow on top. And as long as we put the right amount in a month, that's all we had to worry about. So they renegotiated with our mortgage company on um, our monthly payments and then gave us uh, forbearance. So they, they didn't forgive the payments we had missed. They just tacked it on to the end of the mortgage. So um, our lates became current and our rate reduction was down. But like with the creditors, you know, it's like you're on a very, very tight leash you don't get screwed up again. Otherwise you'll get canceled from the program and you're on your own. <laughs> and you know, doomsday happens. So having that kind of tough love also helped too, where it's like, all right, we're giving you a chance, but you don't get to fool me twice. So Green had negotiated that. We got that online. We really worked out all our finances. So we're like, here's our base. As long as we make X we'll be able to eat, sleep, pay our bills, pay our mortgage, you know, we'll, we're living paycheck to paycheck, but we're making up ground. Mm -hmm. And then anything other than that is gravy and not, that doesn't mean, oh, you get to go out and, you know, go to the movies 20 times or, you know, have a $400 dinner one night. Um, we then broke that money down was a little to green path and we started building our savings back up because that, I mean, every exhaustible amount of money we had was gone. We were down to the bare minimum. So we knew that that was a bad place to be. So we're like, we need to pay ourselves and the creditors a little extra because interest hurts too. Um, so we just kind of kept that mindset and as much as we possibly could. And as we got a little more comfortable in the savings built up, then we rewarded ourselves with an extra date night or a nicer dinner or you know some, something to make life a little more comfortable, but we never let ourselves go out of hand. And if we overspent, then we kind of scolded each other and went, okay, we, this week we, we were too relaxed. And so we have to tighten up the next week. 
Yeah, so it sounds like there was some um, changes when it came to your spending habits once you had this this plan in place. Um, was there anything specific that that you recall that you had to or that you chose to adjust during that time? I love Target. <laughs> I still do. Um, I remember for a period, I told myself I cannot. I cannot go to Target every day or every other day. I cannot go to the malls and to like all my favorite stores. I think back in the, the earlier years of our relationship, I probably did way too much shopping, way like way more than I needed to. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I love clothes. <laughs> so I always love to get like new things for fall and I'm, I'm a girl, right? So I like to go shopping. And I remember there just like after we started Green Path, I just told myself, I'm like, okay, I need to stay away from malls and I need to stay away from all the things that I know make me weak because I will not be able to control myself. So, I mean, for a while, I just didn't care. And I kept telling myself, this is temporary. Like we're, we're, we're not doing this forever. I'm, it's not like I'm never going to go back to a mall or I'm never going to go to Target or I'm never going to buy things that I like. I'm just... I'm using what I have right now and it's okay. And we're doing it for a greater good, which is to off this massive amount of debt. So for me personally, I just needed to stay away from the stores that I loved. <laughs> Anything on your end, Jeff? And I was working all the time, so I really didn't have an opportunity. And <laughs> I just kind of went to work and then came home. I would say the biggest area that I had to adjust was the food that I would buy for the house. Cause you know, before we were trying to eat as healthy as possible. So if you get, if you're getting, um, you know, high end grass fed, grass finished, and that was before it was even really popular. I mean, you're paying 12, $15 a steak or something like that. And it was just, it was easy to hit the grocery store hard and often, especially with a growing boy. So, I had to rethink my meals um, that I would cook and be like, I don't need to be this elaborate every single night. Because <laughs> it would get to the point where I would cook at home, but it would be the same cost as if we went out because I always wanted to use premium ingredients or um, really blow things out of proportion more than I needed to, definitely. But um, so that was probably my biggest spend was just the grocery store. That was my shopping. <laughs> we need this $70 bottle of olive oil because it <laughs> tastes better. This is where I guess it doesn't help being in the restaurant industry because you know the difference between premium. No, no, not at all. You definitely get those for, for what you want. And um, anything below that, you're just kind of like, but there's not enough flavor. <laughs> Were, were there any obstacles that you remember during your time in the debt management program? Uh, you know, you, you talked about uh, hustling, bringing in extra money, making budget adjustments, but were there any unexpected events that threw you off your, your plan during the program? COVID. <laughs> COVID, COVID hurt. The pandemic. <laughs> COVID definitely um, yeah, so earlier this year, like so many other Americans, I was furloughed, and one of the first phone calls I made 
was the phone call to Green Path and just letting them know, hey, I am furloughed and I'm not entirely sure how I'm going to make this thousand dollar payment to you guys. What are my options? What can I do? And so she suggested that I move to um, manual payments, which, you know, instead of Green Path just debiting, automatically debiting my account, I would have to call and let them know, okay, yes, you can pull from my account now. So I did that. And thankfully I got the, the place where I, I was, I used to work um, doing marketing for dentistry and the dentistry reopened its doors at the end of April. So it, it, I would say that was um, probably the most recent hiccup was, was just, you know, me getting furloughed because the green path payment was coming out of my account. And we just knew that that's the way, that's just the way that we had it set up from the very beginning. So I remember talking to Jeff about that, but the point is, I do remember I was able to make those payments. I, I don't think I skipped any months regardless of being furloughed. Yeah. We weren't allowed to skip. Um, so what we had to do is we didn't know when unemployment was going to kick in. So we kind of had to, I mean, even though you file the paperwork, it could be weeks, if not longer, before you see any the first money. So we had the fur, forethought to think, okay, well, here's where we're at. Um, we have plenty in savings to last us for, I think at that point, we had three months worth of savings to carry us if needed. So we'll just write it out and not live outside of our means and, you know, tighten some things up. And um, yeah, over the, over that course of that, like three months, it was really unfortunate because um, we had just taken a trip to California and two trips actually um, went to California, went to Mexico. And then I went to Scotland for a week because um, we were really rewarding ourselves for all the work we had done and um so we spent it outside what we should have and then covid hit because that's the way life is and we wiped out our savings down to 300 after covid because we weren't expecting it to happen like nobody else so then we were kind of down that osh moment where <laughs> we used our savings to pay for green patch which thank god we did because we had that and to supplement Vicky's unemployment, which wasn't comparing to her, her normal income when it finally came in. So um, it was tough during that point, but because we had learned the lessons before and we had actually saved money, it didn't bury us. If we didn't have that savings, we would have been probably back in the same position, but um, but that foresight helped us. That's what mm -hmm. really carried us through COVID and her job reopened and then we built savings right back up. Um, Cause around that time, my, my business really started ramping up too. So instead of just going out and buy a bunch of stuff and, you know, fall a lot, we told ourselves every extra dollar we get goes into rebuilding our savings. So we're back to being comfortable again and because once again, having savings saved our butts. Mm -hmm.
And so I, I guess not too long after that, you had completed the program, is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Yeah. Because we, we wanted to refinance our house back in February, March? No, we, we talked about it last October. We were starting to, being in real estate, I was watching my local market. I'm like, we're getting a lot of equity. Um, we should take advantage of that. And because my credit had taken such a huge hit, I went from over 800 to in the 400s when all of this was said and done, uh, it took me two years to crawl out of that to where we could take advantage of that equity. And I had helped another client invest in the area and I re-looked at the numbers and I'm like, wow, we're in a really good spot right now. We'll have an opp opportunity to get a better interest rate, take a little cash out to just finish off the program because we had already gone like three quarters of the way. I'm like, we're almost there. If I can work it out, we're pulling a little extra money. We're paying less, our interest rates less, and we'll pay, end the debt with a little little tweak of it. So it was like repurposing the debt, but structured in a way where we reduced our monthly um, outgoing money towards debt by over a grand. So it was significant by doing that. All the numbers made sense, so we did it. Um, but had we not taken the time to get three quarters of the way to build up our, our um, our credit scores back up and also to yeah. do the due diligence that and the we work needed history, to do in the like, work history. Yeah. All of that needed to happen for us to get to that point. Yep, exactly. And at the time that we refinanced, we had already paid Green Path. I think it was like, if I remember correctly, it was like slightly over 30,000 and um, our full balance was 45,000. So that remaining, that remaining amount is what our refinance helped to pay off. Yeah. So, so take me through the day that um, I imagine with the ref cash out refi, I don't know if it went directly to the creditors, if you guys got the money to pay off, but whatever the day is that the final payments went out to the creditors, take me back to the feelings that each of you had. That was a stretched out process. So the title company, when we refinanced as a condition of the refinance, cut the checks for the creditors, but we had to mail them. So I got this big book of checks um, and we were able to slip in my car in there too. So we paid off my car at the same time. So you got this big book of checks. So it's like, okay, everything's paid off, but not really, not yet. So um, went to the post office and shipped those out and then began the fun process of tracking. Mm -hmm. Did the checks arrive? Calling. We yeah, we certified mail, did everything. So I'm sure that I got there. Um, and some took their sweet time to report. So I was checking my credit on Credit Karma very often and just to see if that had been taken off. And I'm like, man, three weeks have been by. And with one creditor, well, I will not name their name, um, had it, but had misfiled it. 
So they're like, yeah, we have this check. I don't know why it's not showing up in your account. I show, I have the tracking from the post office that it was like three weeks ago. And she's like, yeah, I don't know why it hasn't posted yet. So it's like, well, I've been like freaking out that this check's disappeared, but you're confirming, yes, it's in your possession. And they're like, yeah, I'm like, well, why isn't it in my account? And they're like, I don't really know. I'll enter it right now. So that was stressful too, because it was just that, that lingering little bit there. So on that day after that happened, I didn't believe it still for another two weeks till it actually hit my credit report. And that was the really going through and seeing zeros on yeah. all the accounts. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was the moment I was really able to just kind of, <sighs> and then um, on the, I think it was the fourth when my car payment used to hit the account because it auto withdraw, not seeing that auto withdraw was another like sweet. And we would, you know, have throughout the month speckled everywhere little pulls for this account and this account, and then Green Path was the big one. But having it basically just be utilities and mortgage, it's like, that's it? And food. And, and food, yeah. <laughs> but like, no unexpected. So if I have, you know, whatever's in my account today will be there tomorrow if it's not on the mortgage day um, or one of our utilities. So it's it's easier to keep track of our money now too, because it's not constantly just going out in the ether as it felt like it did. But from your vantage point, Victoria, what was, what were you thinking as this was uh, completed? I would say I agree with Jeff in the sense that it, it like, yes, it was a huge relief the day that we actually dropped off those letters at the post office. But, <clears throat> but like Jeff said, then it turned into like, okay, well now we need to, follow up and make sure that these companies received our checks and make sure that everything is down to zero. So it was a, it was, it took time, I think, for our minds to fully get into that, like, relaxed mode where we're like, okay, we're, we're done. We're actually done. Like we don't have any more credit card debt. Um, it was a gradual, it was a gradual process, but same. I, I was I was so used to um, Green Path. I I, I timed the Green Path automatic debits with the days that I would get paid. So just every two weeks, and it was always a Friday. So same as Jeff, it was nice to not you know have a thousand dollars withdrawn from my account every two weeks, and it was just kind of like that. That was a moment that really hit home for me as well. In addition to Jeff was continuing to have that money in my account as opposed to it getting pulled was just a really big like whoa this is real like this actually happened type of moment and and i know it hasn't been that much time that's passed since since you had completed the program completed the refinance but um where has that money been diverted has it all gone to beef your savings back up or has it has there been any other things that you've been able to set it aside for we did tell, I remember, I, I do remember telling Jeff that um, I wanted our savings to go up to 30,000 because our goal is to get six months worth of savings in like our emergency fund. So I told him, I was like, well, let's make sure that if we do have to pull from the emergency fund for whatever reason that we pay ourselves back like immediately. So our goal right now is to divert 
any extra funds into the emergency fund to get it up to that $30,000 mark, which I think right now it's at like 18,000. The last time I checked, it was at 18,000. So, you know, we just have a little bit to go. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not going the the wrong direction. Yeah, right. And we rewarded ourselves with a TV. Oh yeah. Liam broke our TV when he was like three. And we never replaced it. This isn't $500 that we want to spend right now yeah. or can spend. So that's true. And there were rewards along the way. Yeah. Cause we, we just didn't do that stuff for so long. We, you know, everything was just, no, this can wait. No, this can wait. No, no, we don't need a television. No, we don't need this thing over here. So that's true. I completely forgot about the television. We, we just, you just got it last month. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we would just watch things on my laptop. Yeah, I was gonna say, but that is that is the new vacation, (laughs) at least in 2020. So uh, sounds like uh, good timing. Yes. No guarantee. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Um, So we need to watch watch other areas of the world that are tropical. Um, So you you talked about wanting to beef up your emergency savings up to the six months. Once you reach that milestone, what are some mm-hmm. other financial goals that you guys have in the coming months and years? We've talked about a wedding because Jeffrey and I haven't like had a wedding. We just, we got pregnant with Liam and then we just got into survival mode. So we talked about um, funding a wedding and we also talked about um, growing our investment account because mm-hmm. we don't we have a retirement account but it's we're not like contributing to it every single month yeah so i think those are the next two like you know one is fun and one is planning for our future yeah I've, i spent some time um, one of my networking groups has a financial planner and a financial advisor who does stocks and and whatnot so i'm moving that account over there and then um, then it's time for actually contributing to it so that it it can grow and we can plan for not only our savings but also our future investing too Hmm. um so it it seems that after the the uh unexpected furlough uh, which as you mentioned a lot of people have, have faced and then you return to work is there anything recently keeping you up at night when it comes to, to money or that gives you stress at this point? On my behalf, I would have to say no. There's nothing right now that is stressing me out. I just more of making sure that we are being mindful of where our money's going and we're being conscious of all the purchases that we're making or of of all the things that, you know, where our money is going, but is it keeping me up at night? No, it's just more about being aware of our finances. I've kind of the raised the bar on us where, where I'll feel stress is if I feel like I'm not hitting my own goals, um, but it won't be stress like, oh my God, we're not gonna be able to make our mortgage or our credit cards. Well, we don't even have credit card payments anymore, but um, it's more of just, I'm not hitting my own goals. So it's just, again, not letting myself relax to the point where I can make 
the same mistakes that I did before. It's always keeping, I, I always have that fire behind me, whether it's actually there or not. Um, I emotionally feel that heat. So it keeps me, uh, I only have to get burned once to learn my lesson, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so aside from calling green path, what advice do you have for someone who's experiencing financial stress? Don't be, I even say it right. Just don't let yourself fall into a point where you feel hopeless and can't do anything. And that there is, or there are options available to people more so now than ever. And that you, you'll never know unless you ask. And you never know if you reach out. You'll never be saved if you don't put out your hand and allow someone to, to grab you and, and uh, let the ego take a, take a vacation so others can help. I would tell somebody who's dealing with financial stress that they're definitely not alone. And if they're feeling feelings of shame like I was to, again, put those feelings aside and um, know and take comfort in the fact that there are options like Green Path that are available to them and that it's literally something as simple as a phone call or submitting a form online that can be the first step to them fully taking hold of um, the reins of their finances because for the longest time that was our biggest problem is we just weren't assuming full responsibility over our money and over our finances and we did allow financial stress to take hold and to take over and to take control and that was our mistake i think we both regret that because there's nothing positive that comes from feeling stress um, due to finances being upside down so a better option <laughs> rather than stressing yourself out contact um, a nonprofit like green path and call have a conversation ask questions do your research kind of like us i feel like you would have nothing to lose and everything to gain. What inspired you to share your story with others? Ooh, that's a good question. Because <laughs> I personally was inspired to share a story because it was such a difficult journey. It was a difficult journey that broke us in all the ways that someone can be broken. Um, it really, really, really took a toll on our family, on our relationship, just on us as individuals. And when we came out on the other end of it, you know, and we exited that dark, gloomy, cold cave, or, or when we, or our analogy that we were using was the ship's burning. So when we finally arrived to the shore, to the shore, it was kind of like a, oh my God, we bear, we almost didn't make it, but we did make it. And it was this feeling of like, okay, I wonder how many other people have been in the situation that we were in. And I wonder how many people we can help inspire, impact, motivate with our story so that they don't feel so alone because it is such a difficult journey and it is so daunting and it does feel so impossible that I wanted to, I was like, if, if we can help just by being honest and just by being vulnerable and just by sharing our story, 
why wouldn't we? Like, why wouldn't we help? So that's why I personally was inspired to share our, our intimate journey <laughs> with Green Path. I, to be completely honest, had no real interest in sharing. <laughs> uh, I just felt like, you know, tons of people are going through this and, you know, I just felt kind of uh, not unique. And, you know, I was like, it's not like we're millionaires or anything. So who's really gonna care? So it never really even crossed my mind until there's some members of Green Path reached out. We're like, oh, you know, you're a success story. I'm like, I was still um, probably smelling the smoke from the fire. I'm like, I'm not feeling it yet. Like, I'm <laughs> happy we don't have our payments anymore. But I, I guess I was still mourning the decisions that got us to that point. So really didn't, uh, didn't think anybody would want to hear the story or care that much. But yeah, I was like, this is. <laughs> This is something that some people need to hear. So I was like, okay, whatever. All right. And it all happened so randomly. I was on a phone call with Green Path. Oh, I, I think I called to ask what I needed to do um, to pay off our balance. I think that's what it was. Cause I explained to them that we had refinanced the house and that we were in a position to pay off our balance. And the representative I spoke with was like, oh, that's great, congratulations. Um, she's like, just, yeah, she's like, just let us know. Um, so anyway, that's what the phone call was about. And then just like very casually nonchalantly at the end of the call, I was like, oh, so, um, in case you guys ever want a testimonial, I'm like, we're very happy clients, Green Path, and we'd be happy to share our story and we'd be happy to give you our testimonial. Um, I'm like, I don't know if you guys do blog posts or podcasts or whatever, but I'm like, we'd be happy to share a story. And she just lit up and she's like, oh my gosh, that gave me goosebumps. Let me contact, I don't know, Jane Doe from marketing. She's like, I'll put you guys, I'll do an email intro. And then that's kind of how this whole thing started. <laughs> yeah. I remember that day Vicky called me and was like, Green Path wants to interview us. <laughs> and my response was why? Because <laughs> it, it still just hadn't clicked that we were done yet because it was still so new i'm like okay like what, what do we have to say <laughs> what do they want to know <laughs> they want to hear about the struggle <laughs> and it turns out yes they did it was fun i mean i think also for me it was like uh almost like a little bit of a prize you know because we we made it to the end and we lived to share our tale it it felt like a prize. It felt like um, a gift that we could give each other, which is, we, you know, we'll always have this video footage, a gift that we even gave our son subconsciously, you know, he's only eight years old, but subconsciously, I think that memory of watching his parents and listening to us tell our story and just being a part of that experience, I think was also um, a gift that we gave him just that vulnerability of like mommy and daddy are human and we're we're doing our best but we made this mistake but we corrected our mistake and now we're on the other side and so it was it was a fun day is there anything else that you wish to share that i haven't asked just to remember that there is a light at the end of the tunnel as long as you're willing to put in the hard work i think I had to really make that 
agreement with myself and we had to make that agreement with each other that we were the ones that had to, you know, climb out of this hole that we fell into. Like, I do want to let people know that, yeah, while our story does have, you know, a happy ending, we worked our butts off for this. Like we worked really hard for a long time to get to where we are. So lose hope, like, yes, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yes, you have the capacity to drag yourself out. Um, all you have to do is just make that commitment and make that decision and just don't look back. Keep moving forward, no matter what. I would say once you have a plan and it's reasonable and you can track it and measure it, that is the plan and just give yourself the mindset that you cannot break from it. Like that is, here's the path outside of where you want to be out of danger. But if you go on either side, it's like, you know, 4,000 foot fall. You have to kind of almost think of it in the, those kind of extremes because the leniency that's given to you by the creditors that Green Path helps negotiate it only goes so far and you don't, you can't say, oops, I forgot two months, you know, please forgive me. They're like, you've, you've used up that chance. So just pick a plan and stick to it. And if that means you have to make a few sacrifices, you already had the fun or made the decisions in the past to get you to where you don't want to be. So you have to make different decisions to get you to where you do want to be and beyond. So in a nutshell, make the decision to get out of debt. Period. Stick to it. <laughs> yep. Well, thank you, Victoria. Thank you, Jeff, for joining yeah. us today. Um, may your may your ship be yeah. free of fire uh, in the in the coming years. And <laughs> yes. yes. Enjoy. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. And thank you for this opportunity to, to share our story. We feel really grateful and we hope that our story can positively impact other people who might be just beginning their journey with Green Path. As promised, here's the news segment where my colleague Omari and I lift up some of the money lessons from today's story. Prior to our current roles, Omari and I each spent a number of years as financial counselors at Greenpath. We've spoken to thousands of people who have gone on journeys like Jeff and Victoria's. Let's jump to our conversation. One of the concepts that became evident in their story was after they got out of credit card debt, they had been used to setting aside that $1,000 to their Green Path program. And it yeah. seemed like they, they were putting their that same amount of money towards other goals. Initially for them, it was to put it towards savings. What's what's your take on, on them doing that, Omari? I mean, I think in general, the idea of um, taking what was once going towards a debt and then using that within the same structure towards some other goal, whether that be savings or tackling a different debt. Um, I think that that's really helpful. One of the things that I always told clients 
um, once they paid off a debt, right? Like if there was a situation where a client came into money or they were going to refinance their house or some sort of situation where they would suddenly be without a larger debt obligation and suddenly find themselves with, a, with additional cash flow, uh, that it was definitely a good idea to consider um, treating that cash flow, that new cash flow, uh, with the same level of discipline that you did when it was a bill. Yeah, it, it, in, in essence, the 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 act of making the payment towards the debt had become by necessity a habit, and it's kind mm -hmm. of leveraging that habit and maintaining that habit just for a new purpose. There was another part mm -hmm. that they talked about, um, which was more the mindset, um, which is to say, uh, Jeff mentioned this, like once you have a, a plan that's already been designed, that's working for you, what might you do to keep up your sense of urgency, even when that initial financial crisis ends? So this is really just kind of maintaining that mindset in a sense where um, they, they, they kept alluding to the, you know, yeah, the ship's not on fire anymore, but we tried to act like it was. And I think what they're really saying there is, um, yeah, they're out of debt. It's probably not the end of the world at that moment if they didn't continue to set aside significant chunks of money into emergency savings. But sure. because they kept that mindset up, that definitely paid uh, dividends for them. And now I, I certainly saw um, the possibility that there could have been regret in how they first got into debt. And I asked them that. And one of the things that Victoria shared was that although she was tempted to say that she regretted some of the decisions that she had made that had led to their situation, um, she backtracked and she said, you know, no, I don't regret anything. And it was fascinating to hear her talk about that. The reason she didn't was because she recognizes that those decisions that were made in the subsequent um, opportunities that were there for them to get out of debt helped them to become the people that they were. And if they had had an easier road, they would have perhaps never reached um, the, the level of commitment that they now have in terms of wanting to beef up their savings and, and really be serious about retirement investing and things like that. And it, it's just to say that like, it's easy to beat yourself up. We've all made mistakes, not just with money, but in life, obviously. Um, but to see that as a growth opportunity, for one, it's just, I don't know, so for, just speaking personally, it's just a lot easier uh, to, mm -hmm. to look at it that way. Um, it just makes me a lot more mentally healthy to, to think of it in those terms. But it also can be very effective um, for, for trying new things when you have that kind of mindset. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is, I resonate with this. I mean, I think we all, I, I would be surprised if, if most of us didn't resonate with this on a personal level because you know, this is one of the earliest lessons that we learn or one of the earliest lessons that I learned, which is learning from your mistakes. Well, learning from um, missed opportunities, right? Like that's, this is something that we get exposure to at a young age for some of us. And, and I'm looking retrospectively, we don't really grasp that advice until maybe much later. <laughs> so hopefully not too late, but certainly when it comes to financial um trial and error right because as we've talked about a lot this is not a thing that is commonly discussed at an academic level um early in your life certainly 
uh, you know, rare, rare in, in high school or, or beyond. So this is the way that we navigate our finances is largely through trial and error, if not through example of other people who have learned from trial and error. Spinning this in a way that embraces the positivity instead of like doubling down on, um, you know, how crippling it can sometimes feel to fall into these these financial pitfalls, but to recognize the patterns and to be able to adjust your behavior uh, to move forward from that place is really important. And it's that's I feel like that's at the core of what we try to do at Green Path when it comes to our. Uh, counseling method and not just applying band-aids to solutions, but understanding the root cause of the problems so that we can help our clients recognize where those pitfalls were and offer suggestion, guidance, resources on how you might um, take advantage of those learning opportunities or those growth opportunities. Them taking advantage of that opportunity had tremendous dividends for them. For them, and not, not only for the two of them, but even um, they mentioned for their son. Um, we had alluded yeah. to this in the story that there was a uh, a camera crew that had gone to their house some months ago um, to record the video series that shows up on our website. And their son was there for the whole thing. They have an eight-year-old. And mm -hmm. they talked about, I mean, just him being able to watch his mom and dad be vulnerable and discuss what they've learned um, you're absolutely right. Most kids, most teenagers, heck, most people in their 20s and beyond um, don't always incorporate these lessons until they go through those things themselves. But I think uh -huh. just the opportunity to expose their son uh, for this this growth opportunity is is huge. And, you know, so many people that I speak to, I'll, I'll ask them, as I did ask Jeff and Victoria, you know, what were the influences of, of your money growing up? And a theme that I often hear is like, oh, we didn't talk about money growing up. And here is a household where they absolutely are talking about money uh, in, in this way. And, and hopefully this has an impact not only on their family, but it's one of the reasons that we we love sharing these stories with others, um, because we would hope that our, our, our listeners are also taking those lessons into their own lives uh, and the people that they love as well. At minimum, what's happening here, which I think is super powerful, is that it normalizes conversations around finance, no matter what those outcomes may be, and no matter what form they may take as our as you know uh, as our society continues to evolve, who knows what implications that's going to have on our finances. But if the uh, if it is if it has become normalized to have these conversations openly, um, I can imagine that that will do a lot of good for um, making it a bit easier or maybe removing some of the taboo around navigating some of these spaces as we grow. Thanks, Omari. Well, that's a wrap for today. Here's hoping each of you enjoy your journey of financial wellness as much as your destination.